Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www. To be leaders, that, that the young men are led, that the young men find models that they look up to. And, and we can't just do that from the pulpits. We can't just do that from the pulpits. Because these young guys, they spend maybe just two hours in church every week. And they spend hours with you at home. And so, a new kind of man has to, has to rise. Praise God. Alright, let's um, we read a lot of Bible here. So, if you didn't bring, it's fine. Uh, I don't know if they want to help you with projection, but if not, it's okay. I'll just share the scriptures with you. And I, I want to talk about the man and his money. The man and money. These are two things that really cannot be separated. Right? And the first thing I want to look at is the concept of our identity. How do we really take our identity? If you look at today's world, it's almost like if you don't have money, you're not a real man. Am I right? Yeah, that's the truth. That's the truth. And so you realize that even growing up right from and that's why we allowed some of the young guys to come around here because some of the young guys who are men are already forming their perspective about what money is so you even find young men who disrespect their parents because they don't feel their parents don't have enough right and then the men lose the sense of manhood because they feel they don't have enough and that's where the problem is because when we begin to derive our sense of worth from what we have or what we do not have, then we will throw our values away trying to get it. And in trying to get it, by throwing values away, we now get these monies in a way that we are not proud of. And we have money, but we cannot pass character. And the church is not also free from it because... If you even go into the church and you're committed in the church, in some churches, <laughs> and you're committed in the church and you don't have money, then you don't get into leadership. And somebody shows up without even checking the character of that person because he's wealthy, automatically that person is thrown into leadership. But one of the things that the scripture says we should look at is that the person who must be a leader in church must not be someone who loves money. So that becomes a challenge. That, that becomes so we define even a great man of God by what he writes. So a pastor can come in here, teach what is not true, raise as much money as he can, but if he's driving an SUV, then God has blessed him. And so we define blessings by material acquisitions. And unfortunately, this is being passed down. And what we see in our society today is not different from the seeds we have sown. We cannot sow a covetous seed and expect to raise men who have character. It's no way. And the change starts with us, right? So, where do you take your identity from? Okay? Where do you take your identity from? The world has a definition of greatness and what a true man is. And that is a man with a lot of money. Um, 
in the office before I came just this evening, I, I was reading something and um, another Nigerian has been declared wanted by the FBI for swindling the state of New York sum of 30 million US dollars sold fake ventilators during the COVID period. That's what untampered covetousness does to a man. That the whole world is fighting sickness. You still have the conscience to steal. I, I mean, we can laugh about it, but that's what covetousness does. Covetousness throws your values away. Covetousness is the reason why a man will leave his family and go and sit in a beer parlor all day trying to strike it rich and he has no relationship with his son. And by the time he now has the money, he wants his children to come. They don't have relationship with him. It, it will alter your value. You would not know. And see, on the pages of paper, these are the people that inspire us. And let me tell you, I mean, we don't believe in poverty. If we were poor, we would not be here. This doesn't look like a poor place. But if the money is not with character, then it's not worth it. And that has nothing to do with the state of Nigeria. That has to do with your personal value. Let your child be able to boast of what you have. And say, you know what? For my dad, I can guarantee his integrity. And, and, and if, you, if you're here today and you can't boldly say that, or your children can boldly say that about you, then there's a big problem. There is a big problem. It doesn't matter what you have. It doesn't matter how much you have. It's about all of us as men holding ourselves to the highest esteem. Holding ourselves to the highest value. It's not about what this man has, what that man has, and I think Talabi was very big on it when he was sharing. Comparison has made us to break our values. And it's a big thing. And that's why we're having a main conversation. We're not just having this conversation we want because we want to have a good program. It's not about a good program. It's about all of us making up our mind. To hold the word of God in high esteem again where money is concerned. And I'll show you something, right? The Bible clearly speaks of the importance and value of money. But the Bible also warns of the dangers of money. So, so the Bible is not advocating poverty. We must understand that. Right? The Bible is not advocating poverty. But see, the Bible is very balanced. It talks about the beauty of money and warns about the danger of money. We like the beauty of money. But we don't want to hear about the danger. And you see... We have lived in a society right now that everything is defined by money. Right? And even the basic principles of frugality, I'll talk about it. The basic principles of frugality, we don't exercise anymore. I, I, you know, I tell the guys here all the time. You don't have to show the world that you're rich. It's not necessary. You don't have to. There's nobody to try to show. In fact, trying to show the world that you are rich is a sign of of poverty because it's an insecurity problem. You know, recently I traveled, went to a particular country, and the public transport in that country is free. Absolutely free. Nobody pays to go anywhere. Cool, 
calm, simple country, every public transport is free. You step out of your hotel, get on the bus, it's free. Anywhere you are going, they don't pay. There's no, there's no taxi, there's nothing. Does that not look like wealth? Cross carpet with our country. Even if you are running taxi, you are buying six stickers. Right? Everybody is trying to get. And it's a problem if that's how you see life. If how you see life is about what I can get, you know, you look at a program like this, okay, ah, these men are coming, they might have something, let them give something. Every time you see another human being, if what you see behind that human being is money and extraction, there is a problem. What you should see when you see people is how can I do what? Be a blessing. Now, being a blessing does not necessarily mean you give them money, but you give them value. You are a tailor. Right? Somebody bring clothes to you. Your first thought will, how will I sew clothes that will make this person look like the image of God? Is not how will I take from his cloth and sew two shirts and he pays for one. Do you understand? It's a warped thinking. It looks like you are fast. It looks like you are creative thinking, but it's warped. And that's not true wealth. And the funny thing is that young people learn under you. So what you are actually teaching them is there are skills in this trade. There are certain skills. And that skills is stealing. Zero value. Say when they bring clothes, it's not everything you will cut. I'm telling you. I'm an old man. It's not everything you will cut. And how, how did you learn that? That's how you were trained. So, you know, sometimes, and we laugh about these things, but ultimately you realize that we have raised a society where people know nothing else than just to steal. That's how they were raised. Three generations of a particular trade. Virtue is cut out. And immediately you start trying to put in standard of righteousness. Say you'll be pastor. Then they'll say, even pastor said they collect tithe. Now the tithe that they tell you what they use and do. You know, you, what are you trying to do right now? You're trying to create a logic behind your own values that you've dropped. But if you're honest with yourself, when you sit with yourself alone, you will know that that's not what a real man is. That's not what defines you. And we need to have this conversation. Because there are young people today who are not making the right choices because we're not living right before them. Right? That's the truth. That's the truth. Are you still here? I hope the rights won't be bitter at the end of the day. Oh, don't worry. When it gets to the end, I'll, I'll reduce it a bit. <laughs> but let's just talk, right? First Timothy 5, 8 says, But those who will not care for their relatives, especially those in, in their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than an unbeliever. First Timothy 5, 8. So, it means that God knows we've got to care for our relatives. So, so God is not advocating poverty. That's, one, that's something I want you to get. God wants you to be able to look after your house. You, you have to renew your mind where that is concerned. God is not against you having money. Because he says if a man cannot take care of his own house, he's worse than an infidel. Alright? So, God wants you to be able to take care of your house. You've got to understand that. Then, 
Matthew 6.32 says, the New Living Translation, it says, These things dominate the thoughts of the unbelievers, but your heavenly Father knows what you need. Right? Your heavenly Father knows what you need. God already knows what you need. The Gentiles strive for all these things. Day in, day out. It's about money. They strive to get it. He says, but God knows. So, God is not against you having resource. God is not against you having wealth. God is not against you having money. So, it's not like God is saying, no, you guys need to be poured out what will make you holy. No, that's extreme thinking. Extreme bad thinking. But you see, money doesn't need to have you. Money doesn't need to dominate your thoughts. Beyond having money, there's a purpose for your life. There's an assignment. There's a reason God brought you. There's something you stand for. My heart is for us to have men that are not defined by money. Are you following what I'm saying? That it, it, it's, it doesn't define you. It doesn't define your joy. It doesn't define your happiness. There are some of us, our relationships, our marital relationships are packed up all because there's no money. Because the centrality of our home is money. The only time people laugh in your house is month end. From 24th, that's when laughter starts. And it ends about 5th. And from there to another 24th is war, is sorrow, is curses. That's not good. That's not good. Are you hearing this? You see, my, th- my, my heart is that as we live here tonight, when we go back home, we will reevaluate our life and choose higher standards. Choose higher standards. I'll tell you the truth, guys. We will all not be millionaires. That's the truth. I know we all want to hammer, but we will all not hammer. For some of us, our life will just be one day at a time. One day at a time. One day at a time. You know, but I'll tell you something, right? For some of you, you would live that way, but you're laying a foundation for your children to walk in wealth. See, for some of you, you've got to understand that you are the foundation generation. Don't compete. My, my dad don't have as much money as I have. I don't expect my child to be less richer than I am. It would be foolish for my dad to compare himself with some people in his generation because he is the only child of my grandparents who were fishermen and farmers. If you write A as big as a ladder in this, in this house, my grandfather would think it's a ladder. It won't, it won't even cross his mind that is A. That means there is nothing in his brain that will connect that thing to A. He might even think it's a type of fish. Do you understand what I'm saying? So for some of you, eh, you need to put the pressure on yourself. Tone it down. You are trying to achieve in one generation what it will take three generations. You, you can't survive. High blood pressure will kill you. It's predictable. You came from a home where the, everything put together, the only education your parents could offer you, secondary school education, you know what? Your own job is to take it further. You might be able only to do university education. That probably will determine a level of your income a bit. I know you read a lot of motivational books that say Bigay dropped out of school and he became a millionaire. And it, it didn't tell you that it wasn't River State University of Science and Technology he dropped out from. 
that if you are able to listen, if you are able to go to Harvard alone, to gain admission alone, it means you are not poor. That you gained admission, it means you are not poor. Then to now gain admission and you drop out and your parents did not beat you. You know that they are not depending on you for their future. You know if you go to school, you can't drop out. When you think of how many people are waiting for that POP certificate to get a job. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, when you read motivational books, read them in context. Are we saying that people cannot excel? People can. But I see a generation that is trying so hard just to have increased bank alert. But wealth in its genuineness is not built that way. Wealth is never built that way. Not in the scriptures, not in real life, not where things are done properly. And if we keep pushing this thing and people don't stand up to say, hey, I'm going to walk differently, you know what's going to happen? We will raise children that will not have a moral compass. Sadly, we've come to a generation where kids are selling their own parents to make money. So you, you, you need to pray so that you know who your child is talking to. So you don't become a marketing product. Say, Afana, see my papa do. He says, send a picture. We'll see whether he, he, could, he could bring money. Say, yeah, 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 yeah. The man has beers. Say, this guy go ripe. <laughs> and and, and, and you, you wonder now if a child would not love his parents to the extent where they use their own parents to make money so they can fit in, then we're in a big problem. We are in a big mess. From the pulpit to the pew, we are in a big mess. And some people need to have this conversation. And that's why we brought you here. To have the conversation. God can bless you genuinely. Right? One day an interesting thing happened. I, I traveled and then they sent me from the office that ah, someone sent in tight of 13,000. But that the person called that, ah, that that's not what he wanted to send though. That we should send him some money back. Now, now you're laughing, but you know, I, I told the secretary, I said, please send it back quick. I said, see, for that person to call, you don't know if that's the only money. I said, send, I said, send me. I said, how much does he want us to take from his side? So he don't, and yes. But you know why? It's because he's come to a place where he sees that there's financial integrity. Where I will not say, you know what, you have sown it to God, believe God for a harvest. Do you understand that? Say, don't worry. Make it a sacrifice. No, no, I, no, no, God. No, no. Do you understand that? Is it because, this is the truth. Because we are, we want to make it so hard. We have even opened ourselves to doctrines that are not consistent with scriptures. Just because if ritual killing does not work, let's try church. Anyhow, we have to make this money. So after sowing, sowing, sowing for many years, you are still poor. Say, don't mind there. All of them are thief. You really didn't want to give to God. You wanted to use God to be rich. You and the pastor, both of you are not clean. Because you wanted to just use God. They just told you, if you bring this, God will give you this. So you too, you wanted to play God. And then he played you. 
Are you following this? I mean, God is all wise. So you know your heart is not pure. So after he said, don't mind there. I used to go to church. It's today why are we doing sacrifice? It won't work for you. Your heart is not right. You see, God is more interested in your character transformation. And if he does that, he can put real wealth in your hands. Some of us don't even know how to handle wealth. You didn't know that your wife was not beautiful until you had a job. You know, some men just get money and then they start speaking English. We are not compactable again. You didn't know there was something called compactable when you were poor. You know that? You know that some people that their poverty is just what is making them righteous. Because the sins they really want to sin, they can't afford it. (laughs) But we should leave that conversation. (laughs) But you shouldn't be like that. You shouldn't be the man that if you are prospering, your family's heart will not be settled. You shouldn't be the man that your wife would rather you are poor than you are rich. You shouldn't be a man that your children... Do you understand? We must have the right perspective about money. So I'll talk about three perspectives about money. Then, and we're going to have room for questions, okay? So we're going to have... While we're eating, we'll open the floor for questions and comments around this subject. So we have the conversation. It's not just... I didn't just bring you here to preach to you. What's the right perspective? Number one is the fact that we dominate money. Money doesn't dominate us. Be in control of your money. Dominate it. Don't let it dominate you. Don't let money control you. We must not be dominated by it. We must have dominion over it. First Timothy 6.17. Let's put that up and let's read it. First Timothy 6.17. First Timothy 6.17. And I've told my, all my guys in this church, listen, I want us to be guys with resource that are extremely humble, reflecting the character of Christ, raising good families, and being good, having the right work ethic at our workplace. Some be Christians who are lazy. I mean, you go to work, and all you're carrying to work is a bottle of oil and, and sticker of your pastor and an armband written and more than a conqueror. And you're the laziest guy in the, in the company. They tell you repair machines, you first of all throw anointing oil. Say it's not by my power. It's not by my power. What do you mean by it's not by your power? The person who built it, what did they use to build it? You know, because sometimes Christians can act very funny. And then you are using anointing oil on the picture of your boss. You are using cross to wipe the man's head. I mean, I mean, why you, what's, what's that nonsense for? Say there's power in the anointing oil. <laughs> you know, laziness and ignorance has a way, and if laziness and ignorance mix, it's hard to kill. Be the first to show up at work. Be the last to leave. Because you see work as an expression of God's creativity for you, not a punishment. And you know, when I began to teach the guys here, I mean, there are a couple of guys here who began to reflect that in their work and they began to get promotion. They began to get awards. I mean, there was one of the guys in church who there was a problem in the company stuff they were doing and he, he kept finding a solution and he got the solution. It changes your mind. 
you know, the teaching of favor has been so wrongly taught that people want to do very little and get away much with it and celebrate. Say, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I used to go late to work. Sometimes I will not even go to work. But the man say, it is you I will choose. It is you I will choose. You know, we, we celebrate such irresponsible testimonies and we call that favor. If you read the scripture, there was no one who was favored with a background of laziness. Not one person. Not Jacob, not Joseph. These guys were so diligent, even before Joseph was favored, he walked his way until he became head of Potiphar's house. He walked his way, even in prison, until he became the head of prison. Do you understand that? That man was diligent. The scripture says, seest thou a man diligent in his job? He will stand before kings and not mere men. What as a man you should represent is diligence. Be an example of hard work. Some of you that are married wives and you're looking for jobs, don't be sleeping when the women has gone to the market to sell. It's not a good example. Every time they say, where your papa is, say they house. What did they do? Say they sleep. They, 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 if they catch you awake, it's because you want to change your position in the bed. You say, he open Isaiah, but they turn. <laughs> don't be an example of a lazy man. Don't be an example. Listen, if you don't have something doing right now, don't sit at home. Go somewhere. Help somebody. Find something to assist somebody. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Do something. Get on a bike. Don't be too, you know, uh, you know, I, I mean, the most difficult people to help with this kind of message is people who had had money before. Uh, in those days, we were the contractors in this place. When train one came, it's been seven trains. You can't live on past glory. Sometimes you need to retreat so you can rebound. You would get richer with humility than with pride. No job is above you. No job is beneath you. It, it's a culture. It's a value system. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's a value system. <laughs> you know, one day I was sitting in the office and someone came years ago. And says, I, I really need your help. Came with very solid belt, heavy perfume. When he entered my office, I thought it was the Shekinah glory of God. Perfume was heavy. <laughs> solid phone. So he said, I, I need help, sir. I said, so he told me all the help he need. And I was wearing, I think I, it was Pam Sanders. I was to the office that day. So I stood up. So I turned around. He thought I wanted to do a spiritual prayer. You know, how when people have been, anything you say yeah, is spiritual, is mystical, you understand. So I say, between me and you, who looks like he needs help? <laughs> me and you. Who? I mean, he couldn't answer. That was the answer to his problem. Because, I mean, you need help with this kind of perfume? You can't need help. Even if it was borrowed. For you to have somebody close to you that is using that kind of perfume, you can't need help. With this phone, No. No. You can't need help. Scripture says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due season. There are things that humility will give to you that you'll be so amazed. Just stay humble. Just stay calm. You see, there is the natural pride that comes with being a man. There's a natural ego that comes with being a man. And right from when we're growing up, that ego is reinforced. You'll be mad. 
You'll be mad. You'll be mad. You'll be mad. <laughs> That's why when men commit suicide, they don't leave notes. <laughs> because if they read your note, they will even cause you. If you won't die, you're not going to just die. Which way they write this long letter? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So, but, but, but what I'm trying to say is, if you don't handle that, if you don't present that to Christ, to God, to walk on, it will lead you to when you ought to humble yourself, you will still carry that ego. And I know every one of us know at least someone like that who with a little bit of humility would have been able to just get ahead in life, but they will not do it. Are you still here? So we dominate money. So he says, charge them that are rich, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be considered pride, proud, that's the word considered, or to fix their hope on, on uncertainty of riches. You must understand that money is uncertain. But on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy, God wants to richly supply us. Have that at the back of your mind. God is not against you. He is for you. He wants to richly supply you. But he says, see, don't be high-minded. Give me the New Living Translation. New Living Translation. Don't be high-minded. Teach those in this world that are rich in this world not to be proud or not to trust in their money. You see, when a man trusts in his money, it's a problem. Your trust you be in God. Whether you're rich, be in God. Do you understand that? You see, when your trust is in money, that's why when people don't have money, they do everything. And, I mean, I'm honest with you. If you have money right now, you know everything around you will change. Oh, everything around you will change. You even see old men who will be calling you daddy. I'm telling you, ah, the way we respect money is sad. Oh, it's very sad. Very sad. Instead of money becoming a tool to make life better and humans better in the work of God go forward, we use it to keep enriching ourselves, enriching ourselves because it has become our source of identity. And it shows in our relationships. Alright? So, the second mindset we've got to have is the mindset of stewardship. So, I said our identity must always come from who we are in Christ and not just what we possess. We must understand the principle of stewardship, which means that everything we have comes from God. So, 1 Chronicles 29, 14. I'll be done in like 10, 15 minutes. 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 14, right? 1 Chronicles 29, 14. David says, but who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. I want you to see that. It will, it will shape the way you see giving. When you are giving, you are not just giving for God to bless you. You are returning to God what he has given you the privilege to earn. He says, who are we that we would be able to even give to you? You know the way you need to picture wealth and your relationship with God is like when you have a child and you buy a packet of biscuit for them and then you now ask the child, give me one. The child says no. But you realize that both the child and the biscuit belong to you. You can even carry him eh, and the packet of biscuit in your hand. And if you eat, you can even eat him and the biscuit. You know what I'm saying? But you get, you get what I'm saying? You are in absolute control. But asking him for that is just to test his heart. Because where that packet of biscuit came from 
there is more. Let me tell you. Whatever God has supplied to you, there is much more from where that came from. Oh, there is much more. You know, and sometimes people argue, should we pay tithe? Is tithe in the Old Testament? Is it in the New Testament? You know, when people ask me that question, I just say, don't bother, just keep it. Because I don't think it's an issue of testament. It's just an issue of stewardship. You know, and like when I take offerings in church, I mean, I tell people, see this air condition blowing you? That's what your offering pays for. You know, and sometimes I used to joke, if you feel you don't want to give offering, no problem. We'll mark where you sit down, where you are there, we'll off the AC. I mean, it's not, I mean, it's not, a, it's not a problem. We just offer a section on non-offering, non-offering givers by the right of their AC. I mean, it's simple. It's not uh, whether God will reward you. Here on earth, we will determine the reward system before you get to heaven. But you understand that? So, what am I saying? What about if we teach people that giving is more of a sign of spiritual maturity and responsibility than just a way to make God happy so God will give them more? It will change how we see giving. To just know, listen, I belong to this local church. How are we able to do everything here? Because the guys gave. This is not from church money. This is guys just saying, hey, we want our friends to come and eat. And instead of taking them to the beer parlor, because we're believers, we can take them here. We can, we can bless them here. And guys just gave. That's responsibility. No special promise that uh, as you give, as the table full, that's how your life will be full. As people are drinking the wine, so will your life pour out. I mean, what about if they finish the bottle? What happens? Are you going to die? <laughs> Are you going to die? You know, so, I mean, there's no special. Is God going to reward give us? He is. But we're not doing these things for reward. If God has blessed us enough, what is this that we cannot do for him? It will change how you give. Right? It will change how you give. It, it'll ch- if you start seeing finances from a stewardship point, it will change everything about how you give. Alright? We must understand proper distribution. And I want to talk about this. Proper distribution. First Corinthians 16.2 If the place is too cold, you can... Is it, is it too cold? Okay. Because I, I see some of you unwillingly folding your hands. <laughs> but if it's too cold, you can... <laughs> Now, First uh, Corinthians, let's look at that. Right? On the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper so that no collections be made when I come. This was Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthians church. He says, you know what? Set something aside. Let your giving not be sporadic and emotional. Let it be proper. Let it be properly distributed. And I really want to teach you this because this is somewhere we need to anchor. You know, sometimes as men, we don't want to work by budget. We can be sporadic. Scripture doesn't teach that. And I, and I like the culture that we've taught our guys here over the time. You know, and, and we touch our guys. If your salary earners, you can put all your offering for the month and just say, This is what I want to give in the month and put it in your plan. In fact, <laughs> something interesting happened. We're talking about this. Something interesting happened. I think uh, maybe this two days ago or something, I saw someone two days or two, two days or something, you know, I saw someone send offering to the church account and the person says, October offering. True. She said, October offering. Now, is it because the person has a lot of money? No. It's a culture of preparing 
to give. We are not yet in October. It's not seed faith or anything. But just people have been properly taught. You can give your offering monthly. It doesn't have to be every Sunday you show up. Or it doesn't have to be every Friday you show up. Are you following what I'm saying? You don't have to give to everybody that asks you. You are not El Shaddai. Because if you don't learn to say no, people will rip you off and go to the next person. Proper distribution. Some of you have bought phones for a lot of people and your wife is struggling with her phone. Eh? Then you call, you call. Before she will pick the thing, she's drawing line like somebody who is cutting potato because the screen is bad. Before you call, then you start shouting on the woman. You know they pick up, you know they pick up. She's not seeing you. Screen is broken. Darling looks like dog because everything is broken. So she said it was a dog calling. And you know, it's wickedness to it's wickedness not to honor the woman who's laboring with you. And sometimes as men, it might not be wickedness. It's just that the law of familiarity sets in. So your wife can bear, she can bear, she can bear, she can bear. One of the things you should do when you leave this meeting this evening is go and get a proper gift for your wife and just say, I went somewhere, they gave me food and something happened. This is a gift for you. Yeah. Some of us don't treat our wives well. And the scripture tells us very clearly that if you do not leave your wife, live with your wife according to knowledge, your prayers will be hindered. Some of us are good prayer warriors but bad husbands. Don't worry, we'll have the conversation. And it will be today. You've got to look after your wife. There are things your wife must never ask you. She must never open her mouth to ask. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Sir, can I get sub? Sir, can I get sub? You are subbing everybody. Everybody's online. Your wife's data finished two weeks ago. Say, but I gave her money for her kitchen. She should, from there, cut and say, you see, you are teaching her iniquity already. You are just teaching her iniquity because money for kitchen ought to be for what? Kitchen. So, in responsibility, you should say, this is your money for date. Do you understand what I'm saying? Listen to me, guys. We've got to review these things. Look after your kids properly. Now, children are going to school. Three months ago, you should have planned. You can't put your children's school fees on emergency. Say, one plus one. I just calculate two things. Two things we add up. No, start adding it up from January. You know when school will start. You know you have six children. The new, You see, you must always think holistically. Now, let me tell you, see, some people say, I don't have the money. Sometimes it's not about not having the money. It's about proper what? Stewardship. And what is property worship means? Planning with money that is not in your hands. You know it's only what you have that you really can plan with. Most of us are frustrated because we are planning on the promises of other men. Right? You can't do that. That's not stewardship. You cannot steward what you don't have. When God gave Adam the garden, he asked him to steward the garden. He didn't tell him to steward something else. Come on, are you following what I'm saying? So we're talking about proper what? Distribution. What are your distribution channels? Listen, even the scripture says that what was meant 
for your parents. Don't give it to God. Yeah, that's what the scripture teaches. It says, oh, the gifts we are to give to our parents, we are giving it to God. So they use God as a cover-up to deny looking after their parents. No. Everybody in your life should have what their portion is. This is my portion to God. This is my portion to my wife. This is my portion for my children. This is my portion for savings. and That's how a man acts when money comes. Start to love budgets. Grow in love with writing things down. Grow in love with budgeting. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't just say, no, I don't calculate for my head. No. Take it from your head. Put it on paper. See it. Is this workable? When money comes, the first thing to go is get on paper. Learn it. If you struggle in that area, go get courses. Go get books. And you know the funny thing? Most of us as men were not raised financially by our fathers. Our fathers never talked to us about money. My son is 13. He's going for, he's 14. He'll be 15 next year. So I made him read The Richest Man in Babylon six times. I say, read it. I say, read it again. So I say, read it again. Read it until. So when I go to school, I said, now you need to learn to be taken back. Because you know what? Even though I'm blessed, life can happen to you. So you have to learn to live life independent of who your father is. So you get on back. So I get on back. The first time, they will charge him. He will just pay. So I now told him, if your transport finished before this, you will trek. You are in winners here, you will trek. Nothing will happen to you. So he started negotiating with bikes. Then he will get changed. So I said, okay, whatever you negotiate, that is your money. Ah, the man, the man. <laughs> Negotiation skills went up without reading a book. The man, ah, how much they carry to? They say 15. I say, how did it happen? He said, ah, I was talking to them. So I give him his money weekly. So they are starting a new term. So I gave him monthly. So I said, this is for the month. What am I doing? I'm intentionally training him how to work with money. Most of us did not have that privilege. And if you did not have it, you have to learn it. Because subconsciously, you just assume you know. No, you don't. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And you know what? I didn't do that I didn't start with that. I started with information and knowledge before giving resources. Most of us had resources. They were not acquiring knowledge in between. In fact, most of us did not acquire knowledge until we lost everything. You tell you bring this money, 70%, you go get 40. Say, Naso. Say, yes, Naso. Say, yes, how much? Say, no. Then you borrowed and invested in what you don't know. Then you are now in debt. Then I say, do you have a book on finance? <laughs> go and pay your debt first before we give you book do you understand so most of us learn from experience even in how to give we just learn from emotional blackmail how will you have money you will say I'm your friend and things are bad for me a friend is not about blood friend is somebody and then you start all these quotable quotes that I don't know who wrote a friend in need is a friend indeed. If you help me, I help you. That's how all of us will go back. Yeah, I mean, you start saying rubbish. And then you have friends who consistently make the wrong decisions, but you bail them out. 
somebody's irresponsibility cannot become your responsibility the first thing to do is to ensure that they are in a position to make the right decisions see it's not wise stewardship to fund a lifestyle that is not proper it's not wise stewardship are you hearing what I'm saying so if you have a friend who is like that you know I remember I think I've told this story here before eh? I had a friend every time he doesn't have rent every time he doesn't have rent every time he doesn't have rent we'll gather money and give him rent the last time he said he does not have rent he said this one this one rain will beat you eh? rain say ah can I put my things in your place no rain will beat you and your things whatever you are able to gather since that time that rain beat him two three times nobody helped him he has been paying his rent oh yes he has been paying his rent is it wickedness? No, it's not. It's proper stewardship. Some of us fund relatives that we know are not going anywhere. You know. In fact, when you are giving them the money, say, you go soon come back, oh, just watch. And true to your word, they will come back. Then you will still do what? You will still give them. You say, I just have large hearts. It's large hearts that is bordered by foolishness. That person will never learn. And you know what? resources that should help either somebody around you who is more diligent is going to the wrong person. So we must learn proper stewardship. And the reason I'm emphasizing this is that we we grew up in an African culture where our relatives can absolutely be lazy and the whole of their lives eh, is lived on our hard work. Do you agree with me? If you say you are not giving, they will call you for family meeting. God has blessed you for all of us. Why didn't God bless you for all of us? Why is he? Do you understand what I'm saying? And then that emotional blackmail comes. You know, the pressure comes. The calls come. Your father starts crying. Your mother says, Ah, I carried nine of you in my womb for nine months. Yeah, and then, yeah, and then you just break. And that pattern can be going on for years. And the devourer you are rebuking that you want God to rebuke for you, not knowing that you are housing the devourer. So you've got to learn proper stewardship. You must learn to say no. Sorry, at this time, I, I'm, I will not be able to help. Oh, and let me tell you, they will find a way. Oh, they will find a way. Uh, find. If, you, if you die now, your whole family will leave. They will share your clothes, share everything you have bought, some wicked ones we even want to share your wife. I hear what I'm saying. Every year they'll come and sweep your grave. But they'll be wearing your clothes to sweep your grave. Say, ah, the man try. The man try. This is a man. And all they will do for you is to just buy a bag of cement and shine your grave every year. They don't, don't think you're as valuable as you think. Human beings have short memory. They forget easily. And so when you're planning your finances, you, pay pri- you give priority to what priority demands. If you have kids, ensure that your kids' education has proper insurance. There's some of you seated here who didn't go to school because your parents died at a very early age. And the uncle you thought would raise you didn't raise you. You can't make that mistake with your own children. Are you hearing what I'm saying? ensure that your children they are properly secured independent of external intervention 
get a life insurance for them. Write your will and write how you want. It's not write it. Be clear on it. You will live long, but live with wisdom. For the young ones who are not married, ensure you have the number of children you can raise. Don't keep having sex and say, ah, as God is bringing there, what do we do? Have you seen where God pays school fees before? <laughs> eh? Have you seen where God took a child to school and said, ah, I'm the Lord Jesus. I gave this. No. So you know that if, if the Lord keep going and you don't hold yourself, you have 10 children, 11 children. <laughs> you pay all, and school fees is not getting cheaper. Primary school now, 100 and something. Ah, come on. So my son's school fees. I said, what are they teaching you people? What is it? What, what are you learning? That looks like you are go, going to study medicine. Eh? You know this September now, oh, I mean, that's why some of you are not smiling. Because as we're here now, you are thinking, school na mondo, pastor finish, school na mondo, let me go and hustle, school na mondo. Yeah, yeah, you, can't, you can't even understand what I'm saying now. That's the problem. So proper distribution means you know who you're giving, you know what you're giving, you don't give beyond your capacity. Never give to impress anybody. And never give because anybody will be grateful. Give because you have the virtue of giving. Whether they are grateful or not, they are free to go. Because sometimes we don't get the harvest of our giving because we've, we are really bittered and hurt by people we have given to and we're not grateful. You know what? Whoever you bless, just let them go. Whoever you give, let them go. You will not reap where you sow, but whatever you sow, you will reap. Amen. Alright. Are you blessed? Okay. So the principles of frugality. Alright. We're going to give you a book. Ensure you read it. It's called Wet and Increase the Missing Link. Uh, thanks to one of our brothers here. And that's what we're talking about. Right, right stewardship. Okay. So we will make the books available we're giving you free. So uh, there's a chapter there on frugality. Go and read it. Chapter on hard work. Read it. It's a, it's a good book to bless you. What does frugality mean? John six twelve. Jesus multiplied twelve loaves and two fishes, fed five thousand people. What was the instruction he gave them? Gather the fragments. You can't be eating suya every night. 1,000 error times 21 days is 21,000. Can't do that now. Not only are you destroying your health, you are wasting money. And you call it enjoyment. In fact, the Suya people know you now that when you are coming, they just say, <laughs> and they know what to cut. Once you blow whistle, they just, if I, you don't even go there, you just blow whistle and then you go and sit down. The man attends to you personally. That's how you have cultivated that relation. You're, he knows where you will sit down. He knows what you want. He knows how much you want. You even have his account number. So you do transfer. And in your mind, you are enjoying life. You can't do that. You know, I was counseling with someone. And I just told him, I said, this is how much you... He told me how much you earn in a month. And he said, in a month. And he said ah, the money is not enough. Said, I need to... Then I calculated how much that money is in a year. The person was surprised. You know, sometimes we don't think in that large sense, right? We just think of, oh, it's 20,000. Oh, it's 10,000. So it's like, ah, it's just 5,000 for suya. Just multiply it by the number of months, the number of years that you have been eating. And you discover that 400,000 have gone for suya. 
that you cannot account for. It's neither reflecting in your life, neither is reflecting in your health. And some of us, it might not be that. Some of us, it will be data. Eh? You are never out of subscription. And what are you watching? Other people's breakfast. Just watching other people snap by their cars. Just every story in this world, you want to trace the source. Even the Queen Elizabeth, you want to, how did the woman die now? You are reading, and researching, researching what have no, it has no bearing with you. The knowledge might not be useful. And you know how internet is wired now, right? Once you search something or you like something, the artificial intelligence will gather all your interest and just be feeding you. Be feeding you. The guys are smiling to the bank. You are crying to the bank. They are smiling to the bank. So those guys did not design Facebook just for you to connect with your friends. It's making them richer every single day. Every single day. In fact, if you read Mark Zuckerberg's um, quarterly report, he said the profit from Facebook from their real videos went up by 30%. You know those short real videos? Went up by 30%. You know, they just transformed that Instagram technology, put it on Facebook, and of course people like short. So for all those videos you are doing, is money going? You are crediting the account. Say, wow, this guy is funny. This guy is funny. Then they will carry 100 of his funny videos. Everything man go do, just relax. And then you are just getting... And, 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 and you have to think beyond that. You have to think beyond that. You have to move from edu- entertainment to education. If you want to be wealthy, you have to cross that line. The evenings you're using to scroll all of that, you can use it to deepen your education. All right? Okay, let's pray. Father, I pray for everyone here today. I ask that these truths are engraved in their hearts in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Alright, so what we're going to do, Talabi, come and help. Now there's so much more here, so there is a form on your table. If you don't mind, you can just help us fill Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.